Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Sacra to McDavid on the right half boards. Dishes Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score! Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal! 6-2, Oilers in the Rexall finale! Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback! Mike Riley to the end zone! Touchdown, Eskimo! Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30, Chad. It's the eve of the draft. The NHL entry draft down in Buffalo, New York. The Oilers pick fourth overall. Will they keep it? Will they trade it? Oh, there's a hot rumor out there. You know about rumors, right? You know about trade proposals. They sometimes can leave you shaking your head. Is there some smoke to this one, however? We'll talk about that in a moment with Reed Wilkins down in Buffalo. Here's a trade proposal, though on 630-630, I will read you. P.K. Supan for the Alberta NDP government. Mm, no, I don't think so. No, that's just setting him up for failure. So why would you do that? Uh, so lots to talk about here. Will the Oilers keep the pick? Will they draft Matthew Kachuk? Will they draft Pierre-Luc Dubois? Uh, who will they Who will they pick if they have number four? Will they pick a defenseman? It's night one in the CFL. Hamilton, Tiger Cats at the beautiful BMO Field taking on the Toronto Argos. And they're just underway. They are tied at zero. So... Here we are, talking about the NHL Entry Draft, brought to you by Nate's Computer Training Center. Heat up your computer skills this summer. Enroll now for July courses now at nate.ca slash ctc. Let's go to Buffalo right now and bring in the host of this very program, the host of Oilers Hockey here on 630 Chet, Reed Wilkins. Reed, how you doing? Dave, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, buddy. What a day. Absolutely, what a day. Uh, I guess, what was the day like uh, meeting with Shirelli, meeting with, uh, you know, the, the, the couple of players that, uh, you know, likely will be an Oiler if uh, the Oilers keep the number four pick, either, you know, Dubois or either, either Kachuk. What, what was the day like? Well, you know, Peter Shirelli is uh, always interesting to listen to, Dave, and, and the, what I, I tweeted out earlier, and I got a blog up on the, on the Ched website, is that Peter Shirelli tells you everything and he tells you nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he doesn't, he, he certainly indicates that he that he talks to people. He, he certainly indicates that there are deals to be made out there. And then he really stops short of, of, of giving you anything specific. So, I, I mean, it's a, it was it was pretty interesting uh, listening to his media availability today. I mean, what did he say? Yeah, he he would he leans towards a right shot defenseman. He said there's a uh, what did he say? There's a greater than fifty percent chance that the Oilers hold on to the number four pick. Yeah. Well, you can also interpret it as saying it's forty nine percent 
or 49.9 percent that they they traded. So <laughs> it's uh, and I, and I love this one. Uh, we're we're looking at all the different options, making the pick, trading down, including the pick in a trade for a defenseman. I've had discussions with teams on all those options. There is a lot of talking going on right now, and if you're a general manager, that's your job. What what is out there? What what is the best possible deal? I know he said when he did a, a one-on-one with Bob Stoffer, he said we're not selling low, and he said I realize sometimes you know teams are accused of overvaluing their players, but. He believes that the Oilers have some talented players. He said they're getting a lot of calls on them, and uh, he, he wants to get a, a really good return if he's going to part with one of those guys. So th- there's so much stuff flying around. Um, the Mark Bergevin comments from within the last hour or so, uh, the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I mean, I, again, when you, when you the, 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 it's sometimes it's the way it's worded <laughs> as yeah. much as anything, and he has he said. I have not shopped P.K. Subban, but sure, teams call me on them. Call me about P.K. Subban. And then he says, it's not realistic that I would trade P.K. Subban. Well, maybe if somebody offered half their team. What's interesting with the Bergevin-Subban stuff is that, Dave, he didn't come out and shut the door. No. Right? He didn't come out and say, this is nuts. I'm not trading P.K. Subban. He didn't come out and say, when people call me about Subban, I hang up the phone and tell them to get lost. I mean, he's left certainly the door open to trade P.K. Subban. He hasn't come out and and said it's it's not going to happen. He's going to be a Montreal Canadian. He's too valuable to be traded. I know you hear all the rumblings about, well, the other Canadians players don't like him. He's not popular in the room. He's too outgoing. Uh, I mean, I know I've heard two people say, well, he's you know he likes the cameras, but really he's harmless, so don't worry about it. So, <laughs> you know, it's just interesting to me that that a player like Subban could be out there. And if you, if you're the Oilers, you desperately need a defense. I mean, and look, let me let me also say this, Dave. If PK Subban shot left, I think you'd you'd have to look into it. I know the Oilers need a right shot D, but he's. One of the elite defensemen in the NHL who can who can produce a ton of points and and he can hit and he can defend and yes he's prone to flamboyance and sometimes um, a, a big mistake but but still he's 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 one of the top eight defensemen in in the NHL yeah so sure the Oilers have to look into it the question is what works or doesn't work in a trade for PK Subban. Uh, I know about the George Larac tweet. It got a lot of play that he talked to someone involved with the Oilers, and 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 the you know remember what George said was, is that the Canadians were asking for Leon and the fourth overall. That that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the Oilers were willing to give up, because I think Shirelli would be really reluctant to trade Leon Draisaitl. Mm-hmm. I think he recognizes his potential and that big body center that the Oilers have been lacking. Um, and you got to remember that financially too could be a bit of an odd pairing because Subban's going to make nine million dollars and Drysaddle is going to make nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for this year. Um, so that would pre- present possibly a bit of a ch- challenge for the Oilers. And then you got to factor in that in a couple of years from now, Connor McDavid's likely going to become the highest-paid player in the history of the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if what if uh, what if McDavid gets an $11 million per year contract in two years, and you have PK making $9 million, and the salary cap creeps up to 75. Then you have two guys making over a quarter of your salary cap. Now, other teams can make it work if you have cheaper depth or guys on the farm you know, developing to play third and fourth line rows. 
roles. Well, right now the Oilers don't have a lot of depth on the farm. So, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of questions, and it's just interesting to me that. And I've I've said it all along, Dave. I've been saying for the last two months that Montreal Canadiens are are nuts to trade PK Subban. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'm going to be <laughs> look, looking for a, a loony bin to put Mark Bergevin in 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 24 48 hours because the, that door still is is open. He didn't slam it shut today. Yeah, exactly. And just to clarify, the the rumor floating out there, and and you referenced it, Leandre Seidel and the fourth overall pick for. P.K. Subban coming back from the Montreal Canadiens, and it doesn't involve their ninth overall pick, right? This is a straight trade out of the first round. Well, see, and that's the thing. I would think that if somehow this happens, the Oilers would want to get the ninth so they could take a defenseman or or one of the, the bigger forwards that are available. I mean, I don't know if Logan Brown would still be available, but, you know, or a really skilled guy like Tyson Jost out of the BCHL, you know, or whoever. I mean, I, I would still think they would want um, a, a first-round draft pick. So, again, I mean, assuming assuming Larac's tweet is, is accurate, then, sure, that's probably what Montreal asked for because you're always going to start off with the – your best uh, case scenario coming back to you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, when you talk about Mark Bergevin and from his point of view, I remember him right after the season ended and he held his uh, season-ending news conference. He said, look, the PK rumors are basically untrue. Um, you don't fill a hole by creating another hole. Um, it's hard to make trades though straight up to. So you're gonna you're gonna look for a, a top defenseman. Uh, so you're gonna trade, uh, you know, another you know a, a defenseman on your roster. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you have to look at what the other team needs. Montreal needs center depth. They need scoring. A lot of people. I got a text here saying, would would R and H in the fourth do it? For PK Subban in the ninth overall pick, um, I don't know if RNH would do it because it, it, he's in the same, you know, kind of in the same ballpark as Drysidel. But there's so much upside with Drysidel. But you got to look at what the team you're dealing with needs. So the Oilers would have their center depth hurt a little bit, but they would fill a need in their defense core. And the and the and the opposite is true for the Canadians. They have a need to get scoring up front. They would be perhaps willing to sacrifice. Uh, you know, some punch on their back end. That's the way it usually works, though, is you got to give up something of quality to get something of quality. Well, I, you know, I think that that texture raises an interesting scenario. And to go back to the money, I mean, there you have it. I mean, if, 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 this, if, if this gets serious between the Oilers and the Canadians, then if you're Shirelli, don't you have to say, like, like look, if I'm taking on $9 million, you've you got to take, take on, on something. more than nine twenty-five. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and I know, and I know, Leon in in a year is gonna is gonna make more than that. But 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 still, even in the short term, I think she really has to think that way. So, I mean, to me, if I'm looking at this, it's more likely that it involves Haller, Nugent, Hopkins than Drysaitel from mm-hmm. a financial standpoint. And also, I, I again, I think that. I mean, I think Shirelli a year ago got calls about Drysaitel, and he was like, you know, no way. I, there's too much to like about this guy. So. That that texture raises an interesting point. Now, Nugent Hopkins and what do you say, Nugent Hopkins in the fourth for PK in the ninth. Right. Um, maybe the Oilers would also give up a, a, a depth player in, in that scenario as well. So, 
yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting to me. It's it's reached this this point, and and again, that Bergman didn't come out and 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 just just shoot it all down. I mean, it sounds to me like as unlikely as I believed it to be, he would do it if if he really got the right offer. Reed Wilkins joining us from Buffalo, New York, site of tomorrow's 2016 NHL entry draft. We have live coverage right here on 6:30. Chad beginning uh, at four o'clock with Reed Wilkins, Bob Stoffer, Jack Michaels down in Buffalo on Saturday as well, rounds two through seven, uh, from eight o'clock in the morning to eleven o'clock in the morning. So. There you go. You want to text in at 6.30, What are your thoughts? Uh, this rumor, P.K. Subban possibly coming to the Oilers. Uh, what What do you think is going to get it done? What's your thoughts in general? Uh, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. It's coming up to 18 minutes after 6 o'clock on this beautiful Thursday evening here in the city of Edmonton. Campbell in for Wilkins. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. We have our first touchdown of the 2015 CFL season. Jeremiah Mazzoli finding Andy Fantu's 39-yard strike at BMO Field. Hamilton off to the hot start. 9-0 over the Toronto Argos, about uh, just over the halfway mark in the first quarter of play. The Eskimos will have their season and home, home opener on Saturday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium against the Ottawa Red Blacks. They call it the Grey Cup rematch, folks, but even if Ottawa wins, they do not win the Grey Cup. That's right. 3.30 is the pregame show. 5 o'clock is the kickoff on 6.30. Chad, uh, Peter Shirelli earlier today, uh, would he consider trading the number four overall pick? Um, I, I would listen to... Uh, and, and I am listening to offers for it. Um, I would I wouldn't rule it out. As I said, the calls have been ramping up. Nothing has really jumped out at me. Um, Try, will you pick it for? What's your chance? Oh no, greater than fifty percent. Yeah. Shirelli on if he needs to trade one of the six million dollar players to get a defenseman. There are, there are some situations where. I can. I think I can provide a temporary fix that might bridge a gap a little bit. I don't know if that's the route we want to go. Um, I would like to have a, again back to the righty lefty thing. I'd like to have a kind of uh, a solid defender in there that can that can play a versatile game. I can play in the top four. Um, doesn't mean we're going to fix it out in one fell swoop either. So, but you know, I'd like to. I'd like to get some permanence to to kind of the first step in fixing it. Oh, that costs you more. Yeah, 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 it'll cost more, yeah. And how tough is it to get a number one defenseman? It, it's hard. I mean, you know, over the years we've had discussions with teams I've been with, like how many true number one D are there? there maybe there's 12. So so there's 30 teams and maybe there's 12 number one D. So and they're not getting So, so I, I mean, like, to, to, to think that you're going to get a number one D, it, it's tough. It is tough. As we bring back uh, Reed Wilkins here from Buffalo, New York, as we talk about and set up the draft for tomorrow uh, in Buffalo, 4 o'clock is our coverage until 9. And You know, that's his last point, Reed, uh, Peter Shrelly made about how tough it is to get a number one defenseman through a trade. It rarely happens. I know it's happened here with Chris Pronger 10 years ago, but it's a real hard thing to try to achieve in this league to, to trade for a, a number one defenseman. 
Well, and as Shirley said today, he, he thinks there are, are only 12 true number one defensemen in the league, and he said you might ask other GMs and they might say 15 or or whatever. I remember uh, one one day this uh, this past season, Jim Mathis and I were talking and we were waiting for a news conference to start or something, and he, he said, let's just list off the actual number one defenseman in the NHL, and I think we got 16 or 17 or one of us said, it was in that. It was 16 to 18 in that range, right? Mm-hmm. And Shirelli says, you know, there's probably not a number one defenseman in this in this draft. There are a lot of number twos. So, I mean, maybe that's the wild card. That if Subban is out there, is Shirelli willing to give up something that he otherwise thought he wasn't going to give up, other than Connor McDavid or not? Or obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, would he say, okay, I didn't want to trade Leon Draisaitl. I never would have thought I was going to do it but I can actually get a number one defenseman. So maybe that pushes them over the top, and he says, to heck with it. I'll deal with the salary cap implications. I'll deal with the other dominoes that might fall, but I will have this type of player, and I'll have this type of player that about half the teams in the league don't have. Right? That, that's, the, that's the interesting thing. I mean, is, yeah. it, is it just worth it to give up something that you don't want to give up to, to get a player of that caliber. Mike in St. John's text in, uh, says, you never say never, but with a Subban, Subban contract, right now it's just too steep. Connor McDavid's coming up as well in a couple of years, and against Subban, although possible, would take away too many pieces. I think the Oilers would be better served by getting a Hamannick, a Weidman, and drafting Kachuk, taking a run at a Poso for second line right wing read. What, what do you make of that text? Well, uh... I mean, again, who, who? I guess here, here's the thing: who, who would you? Who, what do you think is more valuable to your team? Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Kachuk, say Leon Draisaitl, and say hypothetically Kyle Poso, right? That's who we mentioned, Dave. Yeah. Who, who do you think is more valuable to have on your team? Kachuk, Leon, and Poso, or PK Subban? Well, be... okay, so so you either so you either have Kachuk. Hypothetically, Oposo and and Leon and a defense by committee, or you don't have those other three guys, and you have a twenty-five a minute per night player who's won the Norris Trophy, mm-hmm. right? Who's um, he's a game changer. <laughs> uh, Sixty points in a season. Yep. He's had over fifty points each of the last three years. He had 38 points in 42 games in the in the lockout season, almost a point a game, right? Yep. So what, what's more valuable, three really good forwards or one stud defenseman? That's what that's what you have to ask yourself. And I mean, just if it was if it was just no cap implications, then yes, you you probably go get Subban if he's available and give up almost anything other than McDavid. Right. Reed Wilkins joining us from Buffalo, New York side of tomorrow's NHL entry draft first round coverage, 4 until 9 here on 6.30, Chad, and then on Saturday, 8 until 11 in the morning rounds, 2 through 7. News is next from the 6.30, Chad, 24-hour news center and Thomas Dice. We'll bat this around a little bit more and then the next half hour, if the Oilers do keep the number 4 pick, who do they pick? And you'll hear from the uh, two likely guys that they will uh, likely step up and call with you know call their name. This is Inside Sports Thursday Evening Edition. 
here on 630 Chad Campbell in for Wilkins. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. 634, welcome back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins with guest host Dave Campbell. Hamilton Tiger Cats up 12-0 on the Toronto Argos late in the first quarter. In fact, uh, this should be the final play of the first quarter. Hamilton coming out like gangbusters. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, with the first touchdown toss of the season. Tandy Fantuz for the first touchdown score of the season. 39 yards at uh, beautiful BMO Field. Looks gorgeous out there. Uh, so the Eskimos, by the way, they will play on Saturday afternoon at, on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. They'll take on the Ottawa Red Blacks. 5 o'clock is the kickoff. 3.30 the pregame show right here on 6.30. Ched, we got NHL draft coverage coming up uh, tomorrow, 4 until 9, first round coverage. Right here on 6.30, Ched, with uh, Reed, Bob Stoffer, and Jack Michaels also Rounds 2 through 7 on uh, Saturday morning uh, from 8 a.m. until 11 a.m. Uh, a couple of texts here before we bring Reed back in. From a dollar perspective, the Leon Dreisaitl uh, Subban trade is a no from a, from a hockey... Uh, sorry, let's do that again. From a dollar perspective, the Dreisaitl for Subban trade is a no, but from a hockey needs base, it makes sense. And uh, DB says a trade... For Subban, isn't about Edmonton. It's about giving Bergeron a package he can't say no to. As we bring uh, Reed back in from Buffalo, what do you think about that last text, Reed? It's it's about presenting something to Bergeron that he can't say no to. Well, yeah, that, that's pretty much what he said. He said if somebody offers me half their team, I guess I would have to look at it. Now, obviously, <laughs> that's uh, that's an, a bit of a that's a crazy trade, exaggeration. Reed. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean that, that, and that's, and then the other textures, right too. I mean, if you if you're not worried about the salary cap, yeah, you just trade Leon on the fourth, right? But yeah. but you have to you have to worry about that. So I I, I don't know. I, I mean, you, you you look at this, and and the the thing is, it's it's such a huge need for the Oilers to get this. I mean, I mean, look, he, I've been I've been saying all week, you don't get you don't get Dowdy, you don't get Burns, you don't get Shattenkirk, you don't get. Ekblad in a trade. Well, you're getting a guy that you mention in all those words, right? With all those names of the same caliber. I mean, he was on the last Olympic team. Now, did he play a lot? No. And again, that's because he has that sort of risk reward stigma about him. And I mm-hmm. think there is some truth of that. But the thing about Subban is he brings a lot of that on himself, right? Because when he makes a spectacular play, he celebrates, and him and Carey Price have their routine and all that kind of stuff. So then, when he screws up, every it always gets shown on the highlights, right? If if Drew Doughty makes a massive screw up, it's probably not as likely to be shown because he doesn't draw that much attention to himself when he does something well. So, I think you know, there's, it's it's so interesting talking about Subban because another thing I look at it. Let's let's assume that all the stuff about him is true about him being disliked. Okay, Dave. Mm-hmm. Let's just for argument's sake make that assumption that he is completely despised and reviled by his teammates. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think if there is something going on there, it's that much. But let's make that assumption. Here's another way to look at it. If you're a Montreal Canadian, especially if you're a depth player, isn't it your job to get along with P.K. Subban? Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't it, 
isn't it your job to make sure you fit in with P.K. Subban? I mean, that's the thing. The star players should kind of have the, I'm not saying the run of the locker room. I mean, they still have to be good guys. But if, if you're one of the depth players on the team, isn't it you who has to go maybe a little more than halfway to incorporate yourself in, into that world? You know, Jay Onright was on with me last week, and we were talking about LeBron and stuff, and maybe not a, you know that there's a rift between him and Kevin Love, and Kevin Love won't be back with the Cavaliers. And Jay said, if you're Kevin Love, isn't it up to you to get along with LeBron? Isn't it your job to foster that relationship? Isn't it your job to let LeBron James be LeBron James and you fit into that world? And if you're on the Montreal Canadiens, you got two really good players who have won individual awards, Carey Price and P.K. Subban. Isn't it up to you, you know, to, to, yeah. to, to fit in like that? I mean... I didn't start working at Chad and think, well, Brian Hall better do his best to get along with me. I expect <laughs> Brian Hall to reach out to Reed Wilkinson and fit into my world. No, Dave, you got to come to Chad and you got to fit into Brian Hall's world. Yeah, absolutely, you do. We're in his world and we're just living in it, right? So that's just the way it is. But you, may, you raise a good point. If you're going to put a P.K. Subban on your blue line, even if you've heard things about a certain player that, you know, that that doesn't really maybe fit with your personality. So what? I mean, P.K. Subban makes your blue line better. And how can you expect 20 to 25 guys anyway to to have a, the, a mutual like for each other? I mean, there's a player on the Edmonton Eskimos you know very well. His name is Odell Willis. He can be a difficult guy to get along with. Why? Because he's so darn fun to be around. But some people look at him and probably go, well, you just, you know, will you stop talking? Honestly, I'm sure that's what some people play. But when it comes to game day, he's one of the best DNs in the league because he does his job. I think that's the point, right? Is well, as, but, as long as he does the job, there. You, and, and if he's not an if he's not a bad person, you know, is PK Subban a bad person or is he just you know a guy that's hard to kind of match personality with? You know, he's got a high personality threshold and not everyone likes that because every some other people are more low-key but is pk suban a bad guy is he a bad character that's more important to me than whether he's more flamboyant than than you know uh, someone else in the locker room well and that's the interesting thing that that maybe hockey is a little different i mean certainly in basketball it can be a lot about one guy because even the best defensemen in the NHL still play a little less than half the game, right? right? They're going to play 25 to 28 minutes usually. Uh, the best forwards even play about a third of the game. In basketball, the best players play almost the entire game, and they impact both offense and defense. So, and, and hockey has more of that culture, well, he's a good player, but is he good in the room, right? Like it has that thing, well, i got to know this guy is reliable, and he's going to be humble, and, and he's, and he's going to fit in. Whether it's right or wrong, or you think it's, or any individual person think it's 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 weird or not, or normal or not, doesn't matter. That's how hockey has developed as as a culture. So, uh, I mean, PK Subban has that he, he has that personality where in another sport you might not it might not be considered as unusual as it is in hockey, right? But the hockey fans, and I think especially Canadian hockey fans, and probably specifically Western Canadian hockey fans. Um, a lot of times don't want to see a guy like that. They don't want to see a guy be demonstrative. They don't want it. They don't want it to look like he's having too much fun, right? They, they don't want it to look like he's rubbing it in um, to opponents. They don't want it to make it look like he's uh, shining too much of the spotlight on himself. Now maybe that has gotten to the players 
in Montreal, right? I mean, I know everybody says, well, he donated all that money to the hospital, yet the teammates still voted Max Pacioretty for the King Clancy Award for, for community involvement. Yeah, sure. Does that come across as a little, as a little weird? Um, absolutely. But I, but, I mean, here's the thing. If, if the Montreal Canadiens trade P.K. Subban, how do you fill that hole? Mm-hmm. Who fills that hole on defense? It's a huge Who comes loss. close to filling that hole on defense? Yep. Nobody. Yeah, and you know, from a hockey needs perspective, though, like like the texter said uh, not too long ago, the the text I read, it it does make sense though, because you got the Oilers with a with a with a real pressing need, you got the Canadians with a real pressing need as well. So that's interesting. And if if this trade was executed, and if it happens and it's executed the way that it's been rumored, it's interesting too because one of the six million dollar players is still around, and that is a piece that Chiarelli could use to get something else, and probably on his back end, too. Well, true, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, does, it doesn't mean he's done, right? No. Um, it, it, would, it would just land the, the Oilers a, a player of a caliber that you, you didn't think, or at least I didn't think, they, they would be able to get in such a deal. But I, I, still, I still think Shirelli would push for the ninth coming back as well. I don't think he wants to draft in the first round. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, Reed Wilkins joins us from Buffalo, New York, side of the NHL entry draft. We are here, brought to you by Nate's Computer Training Center. Heat up your computer skills this summer. Enroll now for July courses now at nate.ca slash ctc. All right, when we come back from the break here, we'll uh, press into, if the Oilers do keep this pick, is it Kachuk, is it Dubois? What will they do with the fourth overall pick? We'll uh, hear from both gentlemen as well, along with Reed, as we continue on. First hour of 6.30 Chat Inside Sports here for this Thursday evening. Campbell in for Wilkins. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6.30 Chad. Pressure really doesn't scare me anything. Uh, if you want to be a good player in the NHL, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, it's going to come eventually. So uh, I think right now is the best time really to learn and to get used to it. So um, like I said, I'm not scared. I, I look forward to you know playing where, uh, for a market, for a team that the fans expect winning and nothing less and expect you know Stanley Cup playoffs every year so that's going to be really fun. And there's a lot of speculation about uh, number four overall and maybe that's your slot I mean have you thought about possibly becoming an Edmonton Oiler and what would that, that would mean? Yeah it, the, you know the thought definitely sneaks in your mind and, and you picture yourself with certain teams but you don't want to get too focused in on one team because you never know what's going to happen but um, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, get to know the Edmonton, you know, staff and management, and I obviously know a lot about their players, and and they're an up-and-coming team, and be special to be a part of a team like that. Anything they communicated to you about, you know, a possible role or what it would mean for you to be an Oiler if it goes that way? No, no, there's no talk about that. But um, I think I know what type of player I'm going to have to be if to be successful in the NHL, and I think they know that too. You mentioned talking about thinking about going to organization. Uh, you imagine yourself playing with Connor McDavid. Has that crossed your mind at all? Yeah, um, yeah, it obviously hasn't. He's such a special player, and you know, one of if not the best player in the NHL. And um, you know, he's going to make a team, you know, a contender quickly. So um, you know, that team's got a lot of you know, promising future ahead. The first voice you heard, Pierre-Luc Dubois of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, who had 42 goals and 99 points in 62 games in the queue last season. The last voice you heard, Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights, Memorial Cup champion London Knights, 57 games played, 30 goals 
and 107 points as we bring back uh, Reed Wilkins from Buffalo, New York side of the NHL entry draft, which will uh, have round one tomorrow. So if the Oilers keep the pick, Reed, by this time tomorrow, we're going to know uh, who the Oilers have have selected at fourth overall. It seems to be these two uh, as the top two contenders, but uh, where do you think the uh, the leaning will be? Will it be to Dubois or will it be to to uh, Kachuk? I think it's Kachuk. Yeah, I, I really do, Dave. Uh, Dubois is an, an appealing prospect, but but I, if the Oilers pick at four, and I, and I still think that's that's quite likely, uh, I, I think it's I think it's Matthew Kachuk. I mean, he's the type of player that that oh, a lot of teams need, but certainly. The Oilers would need good forechecker, good puck protection, net presence. You know, can with skill can score goals a variety of ways. Now, having said that, I think Pierre Luc Dubois is probably going to have a heck of a career in the NHL. He's a very versatile player. He draws comparisons to Jamie Benn. What I find interesting about Dubois was that he's often listed as a center left winger, but he says, "Well, he said today I can I can also play right wing, and it's probably even my favorite position." So uh, a versatile guy. I love that clip. I actually asked him that question. You're probably going to get drafted by a Canadian team because a very good chance he goes to Vancouver at five. Right. And if he doesn't, you know, a very good chance he would go to Calgary at six, or he could go in one of those slots to the Montreal Canadiens if they move up. But that ties into our earlier discussion. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you you know he, you heard him say it there. Uh, I, I said you know you're how how would you feel about being a Canadian team and you're going to be a focal point of a team trying to get better and. People are going to want to know what you had for breakfast every day, and then he said, "Well, you know, that's great. What, what else? What else would you want? You go into that situation, and you learn about it, and and you get going. And and why wouldn't you want to play in a city where people are passionate for hockey and they they want to win and they want to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs every year? So I was pretty impressed with uh, with both guys in their interviews today. I mean, they're so polished now, Dave. It's yeah. you forget that they're they're 17 or 18, but they've already done hundreds of interviews and they have people coaching them." On that kind of stuff, but you know, I think Dubois is very good. I, I just think it would uh, it would be Kachuk if the Oilers do pick it for. Well, Matthew Kachuk, the way he uh, handles himself, he's got a got a lot of his dad in him, which is uh, Keith Kachuk, and you know, Keith Kachuk knew how to handle the media, and uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk is uh, maybe not at the level of his dad yet, but you can definitely uh, sense that uh, he's got the Keith Kachuk magic <laughs> as far as dealing with the media and how to handle himself and handle all this pressure. Well, it's funny too because uh, he was asked, well, "Have you thought about <laughs> being drafted higher than your dad?" <laughs> and he see this kind of laughed. He said, "Well, there, I guess there might be some uh, some bragging rights, but I got a ways to go." Keith Kachuk was drafted 19th overall in 1990 by the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, and scored 538 goals in the <laughs> NHL. And, and Matthew brought that up. He said, "Yeah, well, you know, my dad got over 500 goals, so I don't know if." Uh, there's any comparisons until I start getting near that point. But it, but it's interesting. I mean, Keith is a scout for the St. Louis Blues now, um, so he was probably scouting his son at some point this season too. But uh, but yeah, it, it is it is an interesting father story there. That uh, he Matthew was asked about today, and he kind of answered politely. He didn't. I don't think he wanted to go too deeply. Uh, deeply into the family connections or what he's been told by his dad but it's a pretty cool story yeah absolutely uh you know when, when it's all said and done read the 11th hour is going to be real interesting to see what happens to see if the trade talk really heats up uh and and i'm sure this is my sense 
and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but my sense is Peter Shirelli will not make up his mind until right before he's scheduled to make that pick. Well, and he doesn't have to. Uh, you know, and, 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 and if the Oilers pick fourth overall, it doesn't mean that the trades are done, right? Yep. It might mean maybe the, the Subban trade might be off the book, off, off the table. But, yeah, I mean, I know, and it's funny, I mean, all of last year, Dave, you heard it. You heard me and Rob Brown say it after every time the Oilers lost a game and people were frustrated and wanted more changes. Rob and I always said, okay, the big ones now, possibly involving one of the $6 million guys or an Yakupov are probably going to happen in the summer with an outside chance that they happen at the trade deadline. That's when it happened with, with the Justin Schultz. Um, so now this we're heading into the window where something big will likely happen. doesn't have to be this weekend. I, I think if the Oilers come out of this weekend having not made a major trade, it doesn't mean that one isn't going to happen because there's still free agency, and if they sign a Lucic or an Okposo or, or Demers, then Shirelli is going to have to shuffle something else. So I, I, I would think, I know Oilers fans are impatient, and I don't blame them because it's been far too long since this team was competitive. I don't want to, I don't want to get people's hopes too high, though, about the roster being remade by this time on Saturday. It could be. It, it could be. In, in 40 hours, it could be really remade. But I also think if we get out of this without a major deal, then I say, okay, let's give it another week because there's free agency. Don't forget, Shirelli made a couple of trades leading into free agency last year. Mm-hmm. So, but the next 10 days, for sure, um, pretty vital and, and are going to give you a pretty good indication of how the roster will look in October. Reed, great stuff tonight. Uh, we look forward to uh, even more great stuff tomorrow. Uh, 4-0-9 first-round coverage right here on 6.30. Chad, Reed, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy your night in Buffalo. Dave, thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. You betcha. Reed Wilkins, host of this very program, Inside Sports, also of Oilers Hockey, and of course anchoring our coverage tomorrow and Saturday of the NHL Entry Draft. Who will the Oilers take fourth overall if they keep the pick? A lot of drama. And (laughs) this could come back to, you know, we get to the fourth overall pick and they keep the pick, which I don't think is a bad thing either. So uh, Reed's got you covered along with uh, Bob Stoffer, who we'll hear from after the news update from uh, from, uh, Thomas Dyes from the 630 Chet 24-Hour News Center. Take more of your tech. You can take your calls in the next hour as well. In the third hour, we'll be joined by Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst on Edmonton Eskimos football broadcast here on 630 Chet. 18-0 Hamilton Tiger Cats so far spoiling the whole opener for the Toronto Argos at BMO Field. They're about uh, just... Uh, it's about seven minutes to go in the first half. Ticats up 18 nothing. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.